you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the world. In the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. The CEOs, authors, thought leaders, visionaries, and motivators. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, folks. It's Voss here from thechrisvossshow.com, thechrisvossshow.com. Welcome to the big show, my family and friends. We certainly appreciate you guys coming on. Remember, the Chris Voss Show is the massive family that loves you but doesn't judge you, at least not as harshly as your mother-in-law does. <laughs> the uh, She's a nice woman, I've, I've heard. Uh, but anyway, guys, uh, refer to the show to your family, friends, and relatives because you want them to be part of the big, big family under the giant circus set of podcasts in the sky, whatever the hell that I don't even know what that means. I'm just seeing lions and tigers and bears in some uh, Skynet uh, up there, and uh, I'll let you figure it out. It's probably something AI should probably do. Uh, but uh, it brings us to the plugs. Go to YouTube.com, Fortress Chris Foss, Goodreads.com, Fortress Chris Foss, LinkedIn.com, Fortress Chris Foss, the big LinkedIn newsletter, and of course, TikTok. We're trying to be cool over there, and it's not working, so we need all the help we can get. Please help us mother anyway guys we have an amazing author on the show uh she's uh done a ton of books i can't even count this high uh because they flunked second grade but we'll get into how what she's done and uh, some of the wonderful works that she's uh, put out there she's the author of the newest book that's going to come out here in a few more days june 6 2023 crow mary a novel uh, by Kathleen Grissom. She joins us on the show today, and she was born and raised in Saskatchewan and spent a decade researching and writing Crow Mary. You're going to get someone who spent 10 damn years writing this book or something like that. Uh, we'll find out more here in a second. She is the New York Times bestselling author of The Kitchen House, Glory Over Everything, and now Crow Mary. And she's happily rooted in Charlottesville, Virginia. Welcome to the show, Kathleen. How are you? I'm fine. How are you, Chris? Thank I you am. for having me. And thank you for coming. It's certainly an uh -huh. honor to have you. Uh, give us a .coms or wherever you want people to find you on the interwebs. Oh, well, I think the easiest is to go to my website, which is mm -hmm. just www.kathleengrissom.com. Very we go. easy. There we go. Grissom with two S's. Uh, so, Kathleen, uh, how many books do you have in the can here? I, I, I'm counting a whole bunch here on the page. Yeah, three. <laughs> three. There you go. <laughs> when you said you didn't graduate uh, second grade, I figured, well, okay, so they didn't teach him his numbers then. They didn't. They didn't. I'm still working <laughs> yeah. on numbers uh, uh -huh, and language. Oh, so there you, so uh -huh. there you go. And, and you took 10 years to write this book or over a decade? Actually, I did 20 years of research off Holy and on, God. not for 20 full years, of course. I was writing other books, mm -hmm. but I became interested in this story 20 years ago, and I began to put, um, I started reaching out to different people at the Crow Agency and began research then. So, yes, mm -hmm. 20 years. It took me about six years to write it. Wow, that's mm -hmm. amazing. And so this is yeah. always, this has been kind of maybe sometimes on the back burner and, and cooking all this time, huh? It has been. I really, I had intended to write it as my second book, mm -hmm. but if we get into the story of how I came to write, I can tell you how that those plans changed. So that is why this one was put sort of, just like you say, on the back burner. There you and go. then I got to it. And now it's finally here. 
and everybody can read it and uh, get to know it better. Give us a thirty thousand overview of the the book and uh, kind of uh, some of the some of the details or the deets as the kids call it. Well, I guess the easiest way for me to start would be to tell you that how I came to write this story. Sure. And uh, I was with my parents. I was visiting my parents. I've lived down in Virginia now for a 30, 30 some years. Uh, but I was visiting my parents who lived in Saskatchewan and we went out to the Cypress Hills in Saskatchewan. And that is, um, it's a very unique place because as you, I'm sure you know, Saskatchewan is very, very flat. It's the plains mm -hmm. considered to be very flat. Mm -hmm. And the Cypress Hills um, about, oh, I don't know, was over on the um, east side of Saskatchewan is very rolling and beautiful green hills. And it was there that we went to visit where the Northwest Mounted Police had first set up their fort. Mm -hmm. So while we were there, there were docents that were dressed and they were telling the story of how this came to be. Mm -hmm. And over on one of the hills, overlooking this, the rest of the rolling hills, was this young woman who was dressed as a Crow native. Oh. And she was saying, my name is Crow Mary. And she was there to replicate this woman. And she was saying, my name was Crow Mary. And I was newly married to Abe Farwell, the lead fur trader up here, hmm. when a massacre happened of 40 Nakoda natives. Oh, no. Yeah. And during this massacre, some of these wolfers, I'll tell you later on who they are, mm -hmm. but these were some bad men, mm. uh, took some of the women, the women that weren't from the Nakota tribe, that weren't murdered. They took four of these women and took them back to the fort and were going to rape and murder them. Wow. And she said, I single-handedly went in with my two guns and I saved those women. Wow. And I had this chill go through me. And mm -hmm. I thought, that's the next person I'm supposed to write about. I there you go. That I was supposed to. Destiny. How that started. It was, I think so. I, I look at my writing as sort of a spiritual gift. Mm -hmm. I'm not religiously affiliated, but I certainly believe there's a God and I'm not it. Mm -hmm. And um, I ask for guidance. And this was my guidance. This I felt was my guidance. There you go. So is this a, was this a historical novel, would you say? Is it based upon her life? Yeah, I was really surprised when I started to do research and discovered that she had actually lived. Mm -hmm. And then I discovered that there was some documentation on her life, which is, you can imagine back in 1873, how much documentation there would be on a Crow Native woman. Mm -hmm. But there were sketches of it, and I found enough that I, I was so excited. Then I went on to Ancestry.com, and to my amazement i discovered that she had a great granddaughter still alive oh wow so mm -hmm. so i made contact with her and mm -hmm. that was the beginning that was the beginning wow mm -hmm. and so you put together the story based upon her life what you could kind of research what you could put together and and uh and and where's this set in give us the time zone this is set in or time zone time time era yeah, time arrow. Well, it, it started around 1872, but there mm -hmm. is sort of a backstory on Crow Mary's life, mm -hmm. which would take us back to 16 years previous to that. Mm -hmm. And then later on, it advances probably another, um, oh, maybe 15, 20 years. Wow. So that, that's the time period that it takes place. There you go. And why, and, and did it, did it, was it, was it a thing where you, you really just had him? 
develop the story, feel right about it, explore different maybe uh, avenues or straws or of stories and, you know, uh, their her lineage and stuff. And, and that's why it took a long time to put this together. Well, part of the reason that it took such a long time is because once I started to do research, I really understood, I, I really saw how little I understood mm. of, of the Crow culture. And I realized how very uh, intricate it was and how detailed it was. And as a white woman, I knew that if I was going to even attempt this, I needed to have some kind of intrinsic understanding of this woman's life. Mm -hmm. So I began to put pieces together of her timeline. And then I went to the Crow people and I was so very lucky, I guess is the right word, um, to have met some really wonderful elders who mm. guided me and helped me and uh, really um, helped me fine tune uh, some of the details. So the way I do my writing, I do the research mm -hmm. and I do loads of research, but then I get out of the way mm -hmm. and I let the character come and tell the story. So they will do that for me if I know the details but I wow. need to know the details, the teeny tiny details, mm -hmm. in order for them to be able to somehow work through me. There you go. Well, she yeah. sounds like a real badass. She takes two guns, creeps in a fort, and saves the women, and mm -hmm. and uh, I guess kills the dudes that are the bad the bad guys. I won't tell you that. Oh, okay, we got to <laughs> buy the book and <laughs> yeah, it tells the ending and the middle part. Uh -huh. Yeah. Well, actually, it's a big part of the story mm -hmm. after that because. Right. Um, She's trying to, she and her husband, Abe, definitely do try to ha hold them accountable. Mm -hmm. But therein lies a problem, a big problem. Uh. Hi, folks. Here's Foss here with a little station break. Hope you're enjoying the show so far. We'll resume here in a second. Uh, I'd like to invite you to come to my coaching speaking and training courses website you can also see our new podcast over there at chrisvossleadershipinstitute.com over there you can find all the different stuff that we do for speaking engagements if you'd like to hire me uh training courses that we offer and coaching for leadership management entrepreneurism uh podcasting corporate stuff uh with over 35 years of experience in business and running companies as ceo and be sure to check out chris Voss leadership institute.com now back to the show yeah. now who are these is wolfer is a uh, term i've never heard that term before this is why i do the show yeah. so i learn something new every day yeah and it's why i do research because it, mm -hmm. i i love to learn like that mm -hmm. wolfers were a group of um generally white men generally they had come from the east and they were also known as some were fur traders uh -huh. but their idea was to get wolf pelts uh -huh. Because they were getting, at that time, they were getting $2.50 per wolf pelt, which was a lot of money for them. Yeah. So what they would do, they would take strychnine and they would do approximately a six-mile radius. And within that six-mile radius, they would put about uh, a couple of buffalo carcasses down that mm -hmm. they would poison with strychnine. Wow. So the wild animals would come and eat from these carcasses and, of course, die. Wow. And they then could go and pick up huge amounts of um, wolf carcasses. Wow. However, they were disliked um, by all of the natives because their dogs often would eat from those carcasses. Oh, yeah. And they would die. And also there was the waste 
that yeah, the natives, uh, the indigenous people, w would never have considered doing. Yeah, it's kind but, of cowardly too, I think, and for sure, probably felt it was dishonorable. Maybe I'm sure that was a factor. Yeah, yeah. Damn, that's some evil. That's some evil stuff. That's right. That's like, uh, what was it Saddam Hussein or whatever? And some people they used to throw grenades in to, to go fishing, and they just throw them in the lake. Mm -hmm. And so you're like, yeah, it's kind of a weird way to. Yeah. Go about that. It's not really sportsmanlike, but uh, well, it was a way of making fast money, right? There you go. There yeah. you go. Mm -hmm. I I've been called a wolfer before, but that's usually when I get in front of a burrito or Taco Bell. I don't. Know. <laughs> we do the jokes on the show. Sometimes uh, well, good. <laughs> uh, well, that was kind of good. <laughs> I laughed. Chris is wolfing it down. There you go. Well, uh -huh. crowd of one. There we go. Uh, <laughs> the rest of the audience is going. Shit, that's the worst <laughs> anyway. Oh, that's not bad. Yeah, that's not so um, so it's an inspiring story. Uh, what do you, what do you hope people come away from reading your book on this? Yeah, that's a question that I'm often asked about um, why I write the book and that kind mm -hmm. of thing. I personally wrote this book because I was fascinated by her that I had that initial chill. And then when I began to do research, she did other things that were just beyond belief almost. Wow. And, uh, she was known by these wolfers and, and these men out on the prairie at that time. And you know, they were a tough crowd. Oh, yeah. And she was known as Mean Mary. She was known as Big Mary. So she had, <laughs> she had a reputation, right? Yeah. But um, in studying her, I thought that I was going to, I thought I had one really tough cookie on my hands. Mm -hmm. And then... When I was doing my research, I was introduced to a woman, uh, Janine Pease, who is Crow. Uh, mm -hmm. She founded um, the she founded um, a college out at the Crow Agency. Mm -hmm. And um, when I went to the people kept telling me I should go see her and that she was uh, just the most uh, you can imagine a strong woman who had to put together all of the you can only imagine how she had to work for this college. Oh right? yeah. It was the little Bighorn College. Mm -hmm. um, so she founded it. I went to see her. I managed to get an appointment with her. And I went in. I was expecting this big office and this really, like I said, a tough, tough woman. And instead, Janine uh, was this, she was sitting in a little office and she had her granddaughter on her lap. Oh, wow. And she was this gentle, kind woman. And I realized that you can be real strong. But you can also be gentle and kind. Yeah. So with that, um, I wrote the story. And I let Crow Mary, like I say, she just sort of came through me. That's the way I look at it. There you go. And what, uh, you probe the intimacies of marriage and one woman's heart, according to the PR uh, line here. Yes. There you go. There you go. Well, I, I can't say that I probed it. I followed along to the story of mm. what happened between Crow Mary and Abe. Mm -hmm. There you and go. And followed that through. Mm -hmm. And I guess it's a love story too then. It's most definitely a love story. Mm. They I I feel they were in love. Mm -hmm. And uh they just had two different they came from two totally different cultures. Mm. So um of course he was a white man and he was mm -hmm. from the east mm -hmm. and it was believed that he had fought in the war but mm -hmm. it's uncertain about his background. There you go. So, well, this is this is a part of history. You know, people don't really talk about. It. There's a lot of the stuff that got lost in history. So it's it's good that it's brought to the forefront these days. Well, I think history is interesting if it's 
told if the truth is told, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> if we see, or, or actually, I shouldn't say it that way. I think if we, if we look at it from all angles, mm-hmm. that's kind of what struck me with the research was because I knew so little about the Crow culture and then to see through their eyes mm-hmm. what had happened as opposed uh, to looking through blue eyes. I was looking through brown eyes. Oh, wow. Right. Mm-hmm. So uh, that was um, that was very interesting to me. There you yeah. go. And mm-hmm. I think Canada is still struggling with its, uh, you know, they have the same problems we do with our history. I think they're still struggling with their um, their treatment of the natives. Uh, Most definitely. Up there. Most definitely. Yeah. It's 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 really really a hot topic right now, as you can imagine. Yeah. Yeah. And we yeah. didn't do much better down here. We were pretty much. Uh, uh, pretty bad. Uh, we were pretty bad folks back there in the days. Well, you know, it was a different time, mm-hmm. and people were driven for different reasons. As I said before, uh, you know, the, the wolfers were driven to make money, yeah, and they did it the way they knew how. I'm mm-hmm. not condoning it. I'm just saying that that's people did things differently back then. Yeah. Um, and if we look at it in today's eyes then we can fault it, of course. Yeah. But we didn't live back then. We don't know what their challenges were either. Yeah. They, I mean, it was, a, it was definitely harder to survive and harder to do whatever and, you know, the Wild West and, you know, new frontiers and people just, uh, you know, one battle on, you know, this, that, and the other. But uh, it's interesting, and it's interesting to learn from. Um, but was there anything that surprised you as you are going through all of your research that stood out to you? They're like, holy crap, that just blows my mind. Gosh, that's a good question. So many things really? surprised me. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, particularly how how little I understood the culture, and I think how little the white man understands um, the indigenous people's culture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's very intricate, and mm-hmm. uh, each um, I thought that that indigenous people all kind of shared the same language and the same um, oh uh, religion or spiritual practices, and that just wasn't true at all. Mm-hmm. So, and um, they had their enemies, and they fought their enemies, and um, had a, a whole. I keep saying intricate, but it really was very intricate. There you go. It was something to really understand and see and study. And they they seem to have more of a regard and honor to the earth, to animals. You know, they didn't didn't go kill all the buffalo like when we showed up and we about wiped the buffalo out. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we we just pretty much put sidewalks and cement over everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and they seem to care more about the land and they, they kind of realized that there was a, a, a cycle or a subsistence cycle to taking care of the world they lived in and, and, uh, it giving back to them and, you know, that sort of thing where we're just kind of like locusts here in America. <laughs> we just, we just moved in. We're like, we're going to eat and mow over everything. Damn it. Well, it's what we know, right? It's what we were, it's yeah. what we were, um, it's what, how we grew up. Yeah, and I think that that as we evolved, if we want to call it evolving, mm-hmm. um, we we just let go of a lot of that because I know I was raised in a farming community, mm-hmm. and I was raised to appreciate the land mm-hmm. and um, uh, everything that came from the land. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. So, but I know that if I step ahead a couple of generations, that's that's just not the case any longer because I don't mm-hmm. think that there's that same connection, right? Yeah, we don't grow up on farms anymore. When I was a kid, we would go to our uh, the local farms and our friends work the local farms. You know, I go right. help my friends with milk and, you know, we'd, we'd wade knee deep through the cattle poo in the cattle yard and, <laughs> and, uh, you know, we'd have milk and eggs from the thing. And, you know, and so there was like a real connection. And I guess they say one of the people, one of the reasons people have like peanut allergies and other allergies now is because they didn't grow up on farms. And when you grow up mm-hmm. on farms, you're exposed to mm-hmm. you know, all sorts of different, I guess, bacteria or whatever. Obviously, I'm not a scientist. I flunked mm-hmm. second grade, people. That's, <laughs> that's the callback joke for a while now. Um, we were going to go with kindergarten, but uh, second grade, everyone decided it was funnier. I don't know why, but I don't well, know. It seems to work. I, I would just, I would say at that point, uh, you weren't being tested for dyslexia or something like that. That's no. Probably- it was mostly a helmet and a short bus, but that's another story. <laughs> okay. You gotta love it. But yeah. uh, so, what's what's on the future for you? You've you've written these books. Uh, is there anything cooking in the background we should know about, or maybe you don't want to tell us? Uh, it isn't a matter of not wanting to tell you. It's uh, more a matter of after this uh, stretch of writing, um, Crow Mary, and it, we had some real hurdles to overcome. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm taking a little bit of a rest. I'm taking there a breather. And then heaven only knows what's down the pike, right? So you, you, you've got to find some inspiration. We've got to get some inspiration to come out and, uh, and do all that. Well, honestly... I, there's plenty, you know, all you have to do is look around Mm -hmm. and particularly I found, well, all you have to do is pay attention. Mm -hmm. And I believe everyone has a a story, don't you? I I think really. Yeah. That's why we do the show is people come on and tell me stories and it's like, that's, that's life lesson, the the life manual. My audience is probably sick of hearing me say this, but I mean, stories are the life lessons and the, the, the owner's manual to life. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's why I read. That's why I read mm-hmm. as a child. It opened up my world, right? And I'm sure it was the same for you. There you go. Yeah, yeah it is. I, I learned every stuff every day. I learned today what a wolfer is. Here I thought it was a guy who just ate, you know, could go down burritos. <laughs> burrito. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, that too. I've been <laughs> a wolfer too. most of my life, shoving stuff into my <laughs> pie hole, and it shows. Yeah. Uh, let's get a plug in here for your, your big book, The Kitchen House. Uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about that, and we'll get a plug in for that? Well, uh, I don't know how much time we have. We have I, as much time as you want. Well, oh, I, I can tell you how I came to write it. That seems to be what the book clubs, I've talked to a lot okay. of book clubs. Mm-hmm. So my husband and I moved down to this uh, beautiful place that had once been a plantation, which mm-hmm. we didn't realize at the time. We just found this beautiful old brick house. Mm-hmm. So we started to do renovation. While we were doing renovation on that house, um, there was a, a map. Someone showed us a map. And next to our place that was called Harvey's Tavern, there was a handwritten notation that said Negro Hill. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I just became obsessed with wanting to find out. I drove up there. It was about a half mile away. I looked around. It was a beautiful rolling hills of Virginia. And I thought, um, what happened here? Why did they write that in? So um, there was nothing. I went to four local historians no collective story. Mm-hmm. So then I went to speak to uh, an old um, African-American woman, Mrs. Bessie Lowe, who passed away about six months after I talked to her. Mm-hmm. And I thought if anyone would have the story, she would have it. But she told me a story of where a young black woman was hung in the town square. Mm-hmm. 
And I said to her, but Mrs. Lowe, don't you think something else happened? And she looked at me for a while and she said, why don't you write your own story? Wow. And um, she was a very religious woman. And I said, well, I don't have a story to tell. And then she looked at me for a while. She studied me. And then she said, why don't you pray on it? Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, I can pray all I want, but I knew I didn't have a story. But I didn't say that to her. I left, and I was kind of disappointed, right? But came home, and I do meditate every morning. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I started to incorporate that in meditation, but one morning after meeting with her, I walked up. We were There was this little stream on our property, and I walked up this hill, and I looked out toward where Negro Hill would have been. Mm-hmm. And I just said out loud, what happened there? Mm-hmm. And then I came back into the house to do my daily journaling, which I had done for years. Mm-hmm. But that day when I picked up my pencil, a movie started to play in my head. And it was so vivid and so real that I just started to write down what I was seeing. And mm-hmm. it was the prologue to the kitchen house. It was where oh, wow. this little girl and her mother were running up the hill and they were desperate to get to the top of the hill. Mm-hmm. I was pulled right in with them. I was right with them. And when we got to the top of the hill, there was a black woman hanging on the tree. Oh, wow. And I just dropped my pencil and I thought, I, I don't know what's happening to me here. I don't know what's happening, but I this is way too dark for me. Wow. So I put it away in my desk drawer, thought that was the end of it. Mm-hmm. Then I was talking to my dad a couple of weeks later. He was living in Saskatchewan, Canada. Mm-hmm. And he was talking to me about his buddy who was doing research on his family on his ancestry. And he was able to trace his family back to 1790 when they came on board ship from Ireland over to Norfolk, Virginia. Oh, wow. But on board ship, the parents died and they left three little orphans. So dad said he can find the two little boys, but he can't find a trace of the little girl. And mm-hmm. that's where I had that same chill go through me that I had with Crow Mary. I just had oh, this wow. deep chill go through me and I knew that I was meant to write her story. So I started to do research, 1790 South Central Virginia, and that's what I did. There you go. And I'm seeing some history that's being pulled up here. This is from the Library of Congress uh, about a riot of some type that took place there and and, uh, some other things. In fact, they recently renamed the hill uh, Noakes Hill, evidently, in 2020. Oh, this would have been a different place. This is very rural. This would have been very rural. Okay, in, I may uh, be in the South wrong South Central area. Virginia, I think it is. Yeah. Oh, this is an it island. Is. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. But yeah, yeah uh, really interesting, and yeah. and the book just this the book just killed it. It did awesome. Well, I think it may have been the right time, the right place, mm-hmm. and the right story. Right. Yeah. 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 People just really identified it, and then I think you had a second book of that series that you put out as well. I did. I was going to write about Cromary in the while I was writing the kitchen house. Mm-hmm. I had this experience with Cromary. So I was but I went out to the Crow Reservation, but I couldn't feel her and I knew that there was like a it felt like a blanket down in front of me. Mm-hmm. And I knew that it was Jamie, one of the characters from the kitchen house, saying, Uh uh uh, you don't write her story next, you have to write my story next. Oh, wow. So I always had an idea of where he was. I knew he was up in Philadelphia. I knew he was about 33 years old. Mm-hmm. And uh, I knew this time period was around 1840. So I went up to Philadelphia, started to do research up there. And that's how the second book came about. There you go. So that's how I wrote Glory Over Everything. Mm-hmm. Well, awesome sauce. In fact, I should I should uh, throw the plug in here too. Uh, the Kitchen House, uh, one, uh, it has a Goodreads choice 
Award nominee and uh, probably won some other awards too as well, didn't it? Over 1 million copies in print. So order all the books up, folks, that Kathleen has put out. That's basically what we're saying here. It's <laughs> basically what we're pitching and selling. <laughs> so this is this is great, and uh, we're just going to look forward to the next twenty years when you put your next book. <laughs> Don't wait that long, please. Oh no, I'm not going to do the math on that one. There mm -hmm. you go. There mm -hmm. you go. Well, it's been delightful to have you on, Kathleen. Uh, give us your .com so people can find you on the interwebs. Um, well, uh, KathleenGrissom.com. There you go. That's simple. It and uh, thank you very much for coming on. We really appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Chris. I appreciate you. you inviting me. Thank mm -hmm. you. I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go woof her down some uh, burritos. <laughs> you do that. There you go. Order up uh, wherever fine books are sold, folks. Uh, be, you can still be the first one on your book club to read it. Uh, it comes out June 6, twenty three. Crow Mary, a novel by Kathleen Grissom. Thanks for tuning in, uh, my audience. We certainly love you and appreciate you. And as always, we have the greatest stories, brilliant minds, and authors on the show. And of course, none of the brilliant minds are me. That's why we have guests, people. <laughs> uh, go to YouTube.com, Fortress Chris Voss, Goodreads.com. Fortress Chris Voss, LinkedIn, and Twitter, TikTok. Thanks for tuning in. Be good to each other. Stay safe. We'll see you guys next time. And that should have us out.